All right, so we are here now with after the election, Trump has won. Consistent with our prediction. We said it here, we said it here a few times, and we outlined why we, we, we knew, we felt that Trump would, would likely win. And these reasons were, among so many others, that she was a woman, that she was shrill, that she had just the scandals, right? I mean, we, we talked about, we, we produced a whole litany of them. Um, but the most important thing was that Trump was about something. Hillary was about nothing. Literally, she's just nothing. All she offered was the woman vote. And it turned out, consistent with what we had predicted, I think six months ago, Ari, we said that the woman vote is not going to be as big as you think. On the contrary, it might actually be a negative for you. We said that women really are tough and other women. It's, a, it's, it's just simply true. I don't understand it. You don't understand it. But they are really tough on each other. And, and uh, I don't know why that's the case, but it just is. And as a, re- a result, they did not get the big bang for the buck that they thought they were going to get because she was the first prospective woman president. It's, it, just, it was not the female equivalent of Barack Obama being the first black president. It just, nothing like it whatsoever. And, of course, a lot of people felt that way. You talk to a lot of my liberal friends, they'll say it would be great to have the first woman president and I can showcase her as a role model for my daughter and all those things that they talk about. But the reality is a lot of women, that was just not relevant to them. And, and surprise, surprise, the returns bore that out. Women just didn't vote for her in the way that they thought they were going to. There was not a greater amount of women voting for her at all. In fact, more women voted for Barack Obama in 2012 than they voted for Hillary Clinton from a proportion point of view and everything else. So that's very consistent. It, it seems that the only women that voted for him, for her rather, were college-educated uh, women that, that were not really worried about having a job or otherwise suffered economically. That's about it. Uh, other than that, uh, women really just did not seem to gravitate toward her. And she'll always have the Gloria Steinem types um, who are older than 65 and such who think that there's still a war going on when it comes to uh, the conflict with women. I think that Hillary Clinton herself believes it. But you talk to any uh, 30-year-old to 35-year-old, 45-year-old woman today, uh, they'll, they'll say, glass ceiling? What glass ceiling? What is a glass ceiling anyway? It's, it's just not, it's not relevant to them. But the most important thing is the theme. And the theme that, that Donald Trump had was make America great again. Now, look, I understand that it's a, it's a pithy comment. It's just, you know, a little bite-sized thing. And, you know, he won't be able to make America great again. I, I get that. You can argue all day long about that. But it's a theme. It's what he's about. When you, were, when you think about Trump, he wants you to, to think to yourself, I'm going to make America great again. That's what he's about. Whether he can, again, deliver or not, that's another story. But the theme that the Hillary Clinton, Clinton had was forward and... Uh, stronger, stronger together. together, which I'm means, yeah, which literally means nothing. Okay, so so uh, that, that's not about anything. So it all collapsed in front of her. And there are so many things that we can learn from this election. First of all, you know, I'm delighted that we were right. Uh, I wanted to be right. You were right. Well, thank you. you. I appreciate that. Me not right. I'm happy I wasn't right. Right. Okay. You were right. Fair enough. But but I, I appreciate. But but you helped me think things through as well. And the, the, there was a lot of prayer involved in this. I, I got to tell you, I think God's hand was in this. I think, Ari, I know that you're, you believe that God's hand was, was in this too. 
Um, and I know that sounds not scientific and such, but I, I just can only, uh, the only way I could look at this is that God certainly knows that what Obama has done in the past eight years has been destructive to America. I think that God loves America and God loves Israel and, and sees America as his child in many ways that he wants to see grow beautifully. Democracy for 236, 37 years, I mean, that's an extraordinary achievement. And we, we, we need to nourish this as much as possible. This is the closest we, we get to, to doing God's will. And I think he just intervened here. And he said, intervened, after eight years, and if we were to have another four, maybe even another eight years, it's the end. There's just, there's no getting around it. We, we, we would have abortion on demand. We would have, uh, you know, rules of being applied. Democracy would be weakened in every respect. Post-birth abortion on demand. Well, possibly. I, I, I mean, I, let's not exaggerate too much, but it would be, it would be too much. Um, the, the criminality of, of Hillary Clinton would be allowed. Um, to, to, uh, the regulations would be so stifling of innovation, which is exactly contrary to what God wants of us. He wants more freedom, not less freedom. It, it would change everything. And, and it would be too late. It would be the end. That's, I, I think every conservative that we spoke to felt it would be the end if Hillary Clinton were there, at least from the Supreme Court point of view. It would completely eviscerate um, any chance of us having a conservative principles again. That the notion that the Constitution, uh, the, the notion of what is it, um, a purist, what, what is it, the, the phrase? Ah. Oh, originalist thinking. Originalist thinking. Yeah. That notion would be uh, pushed aside as a historical uh, ideology that is so quaint but, but just not realistic. They would go to the living Constitution approach toward the Constitution, Constitution and it would all fall apart. And, and even more than that, the idea that the top law enforcement official in the land, the head of the executive branch, would be a criminal. Yeah, it is. Right. It is the complete destruction of the justice system because yeah. we can survive ideological people of either stripe in positions of government for periods of time. But a criminal totally undermine the idea that government should not be populated by criminals? Well, right, exactly right. And then two other things that I can think of off the top of my head. Immigration is just getting way out of hand. Uh, the, the, the notion that people can just pour over the border and the Obama administration and no doubt the Clinton administration would do the same, would simply say, oh, no, no, please stop. Don't come in. Right. But of course, letting wanting them to come in because it's good for them for votes. That's exactly what they want. Uh, and I can be even more cynical is that, is that I think that Obama wants the destruction of America and perhaps Hillary Clinton too. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Then, of course, there's Syria and the Syrian um, refugees and such. They, they pose a grave danger to America if we were to allow them willy-nilly to come in without vetting them whatsoever. We have stories where uh, these Syrian immigrants are coming in with visas just given to them. They don't even pay for them. They just, here, we, we want you to come in. What's going on here? It's, it's tougher for somebody from Iceland to come into America than somebody from Syria or from the Middle East, generally speaking. So something is, is, is odd about that. And it, we would just get more of that if Hillary Clinton were there. Now, listen, I mean... God forbid, had Hillary Clinton become the uh, the elected president, 
you know, you and I would be talking today saying, well, this is really terrible. And, and we would say, let's hope. And we would try to find rays of hope. But honestly, Ari, I don't know that we would meaningfully be able to do so. Yeah, we, there'd be a couple. For instance, for this podcast and your radio show, it would be very good for business. Yeah, because, I, I, you know. I guess so, but that's not the, not the reason. <laughs> Small no, no, slivers. Listen, I've got to tell you, I, I don't, you know, we've, I've had my radio show now for, I think, about seven years and this podcast for about four years. And it's tough being constantly aggravated by what the president is doing. I, I don't, I'd rather have a podcast where we are dealing with people that are fighting the president and how we, how we can say that they're wrong and how we can support the president's position. That's what I want to be doing. And, and not only personally as an American, um, but also as a, as a businessman. But I think it's more, more exciting from a radio point of view and otherwise. I, there's, there's a lot to be talking and, and And here's why it's more exciting. Trump will be doing things, hopefully like Reagan did things, that were so clearly the right thing to do, but got so much flack for doing the right thing. For example, let, let's just take Reagan. When he, when he famously came out with his, his uh, uh, nomenclature of, of the Soviet Union being the evil empire, right? Well, everyone jumped all over him. And, and that was the right call that he made. And we would be talking about why it's the right call, right? Your audience can't see me right now, but I have a really big smile on my face. Yeah, you, you, can't, you agree, course. right? Yeah. Uh, likewise with an air traffic controller strike. Likewise with how we dealt with um, uh, Grenada, Grenada, yeah, Lebanon. Yeah, I, I mean how we how we supported the Iran Iraq war to, to keep it going and such like that. I mean, there's a lot of good things that he did, and um, and of course we will also challenge him on on pulling out of uh, you know doing doing some of the mistakes that he made, like amnesty for the immigration and such. But nevertheless, it's 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 I think it's far more interesting. It's far more exciting. I, I'd rather rather than being the naysayer and having somebody point the finger at us and say, well, I don't see you offering something better, right? Well, now we are. We're able to do it. It's exciting. Right. We get to be on the affirmative side rather yeah. than the playing defense, constantly blocking everything. We get to say, wasn't well, it great that he bombed the Iranian nuclear reactor? Isn't there it great go. he built that big, beautiful wall? Isn't it great that he cut the uh, the corporate tax way down isn't it great that we now have a flat tax of eight yeah. percent for everyone yeah can you see this prosperity can you see all these Democrats having to vote for him for re-election in four years when he says to them are you better off now than when you were under Obama yeah be a beautiful thing. and he'll be able to to say the the unemployment rate is so much better or for that matter the employment rate is so much better that the working class is, is, is actually achieving something and the industry and, and oil jobs are going to be booming now. Um, so that, that, you know, and the good news is it's going to have to happen unless, of course, the Obama economy has been so bad that we have a big bubble going on and it'll just, you know, totally no, pop. No, no. The American economy is like an airplane sitting on the ground. Yeah. It wants to fly. I like that. All you have to do is let it up. Okay. That's, that's very nicely you know? said. And, but, wait, wait, wait. wait hold, yeah. hold on. Um, for example, when, when Trump, I mean, if he follows through on his promise to, to start defeating Obamacare and dismantling it right away, bravo. But we'll see all these liberals saying, oh, my gosh, this is a horrible. What a monster he is. And we'll be defending him. And we'll be saying why it's so good. Can I tell you that, what the, that is good radio, my friend. Can I tell you what the news will be? Because it's so predictable. Headline, L.A. Times. 
coffee houses cannot find anyone to work as baristas anymore. <laughs> Isn't uh, this tragic? Yes. The reason why is because there are high-paying jobs everywhere. Yeah. They can't fill them all. Yeah. You know, imagine just having Obamacare removed and tax cuts happening. Yeah. And imagine all of this employment, all of this human capital that's pent up and ready to work, it's, suddenly it's, working. And just to clarify your point, I, I know you meant it in a joking way, but actually I want to I want to color it in a little bit because it even makes your point even better, which is, of course, it'll be baristas, but they should be, you know, 16, 17 year old kids. Right? right. Working at a part time High school after school yeah. jobs. They're, they're yes. trying to learn the basics of, of a job. Not not people who are 26 years old with double degrees from college, or maybe even a PhD for that matter, uh, doing a barista. That's that's shameful. That's a waste, right? Yes. So um, putting aside the fact that we should probably have more manufacturing and more trade jobs anyway, but but the point is is well taken, which is we're not even letting those people have the opportunity for growth. We're, we're stifling all the time. And these same people, these same liberals, uh, desire a, a quashing of, of all industry, the very industry that would have given them the jobs that they're, that, that they're complaining that they don't have. Okay, so I want to move into our theme. And the theme uh, of this really relates to the results of, the demo- of, the, of this election. Because, of course, it was very exciting seeing Trump win. And it, there came a certain point, you and I were texting each other. It was very fun. And I, I don't know what time it was, uh, 9.30 or so. I believe profanity might have been used. So <laughs> if the NSA got a hold of it, sorry, we yeah. were very excited. <laughs> we were very excited. But around 9.30 or so, it became clear that the direction is going toward Trump. And maybe even earlier than that. Yeah, suddenly, as they say on the news, her path started, started to get narrow. Yes, and our, and yeah, our as path soon as they was, said that, yeah. we realized, uh-oh, something's going on here. Yeah. It was very exciting. And, and we can talk about all day long. We, we were right uh, about all the different paths. I know you say, Barack, you were right. I, I appreciate that. But nevertheless, I like to say we. You know, we had this, the, the right concepts. We, we saw the issues in play and the wave that was coming. And as a good friend of mine describes it, the wave always goes in the same direction. So if, if it was not possible... And, and I made this point in one of our podcasts before. It made no sense to me that Trump could be five points ahead in Ohio. And it turns out he was 11 points ahead in Ohio. But, but even under their own polling, it said that, they, that he was five points ahead and that he was tied or maybe even a point ahead in Florida. And that at the, in the same sentence, they say, but we're going to take Texas, meaning the Democrats will take Texas. And even Utah, don't you know, his, that, that glorious red state called Utah, it was such, it did not jibe. You cannot, the, 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 they were like different universes. Yeah. It, it, it could not make sense that in the same universe, in the same year, in the same country, that Ohio could be going so red and Florida flipping red, that Texas will somehow turn blue? I don't think so. But yet they talk that way. Once I heard that, Ari... I knew something was up. Yeah, and, and I believe... I knew that, their, their own internal yeah. polling showed something very different. Right. And they were afraid. Yeah, and, and I believed it. I mean, it, I, I operate on the, the media model that 2012 presented, which is it showed all these polls where Obama was ahead, and we as conservatives said, no way is the public, are they going to reelect Obama, and they did. Right. So we, from past experience being, you know, prologue, 
we had really nothing other to go on analytically than that and hunches. Right. The hunch in this case turned out to be right, thank God. Yeah. But, uh, you know, things looked odd and dubious yeah. in some in some circles, and thank God didn't pan out. But I, I think I, and even how you colored in my barista analogy, I think there's something to be said about this. Uh, Ohio is one thing. Pennsylvania and Michigan are others are is another thing from a standard electoral philosophy point of view. But when you think about logically and with hindsight, you say, well, why should the people of Ohio be so different from the people of Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and Michigan? It's the same region. They're going through the same blight and the same hardships. Why wouldn't they all, along with the pendulum swing, make the decision yeah, no, to Trump? Yeah. And then they all did. And I thought what was most fascinating is in those states, he won. Yeah. In Wisconsin, out of nowhere, he clobbered her. Clobbered. And then, but that had four elections in a row when we used to talk about the Scott Walker controversies of, you know, 2011 on to, on to now. But the real surprise to me is the state he didn't win, Minnesota. He came within one point of her. Yeah, that, very close. That, to put this in perspective for the listeners and people out there, that's essentially the equivalent of him nearly winning California because the voter registration ratios in Minnesota mirror California yeah, or are close to. That's what a big way yeah, it was. I don't want to talk too much about, about the you know interesting states and, and how it played out. The fact is that there was a wave going on and the country was, was angry at, at the Obama administration. There was two things that came out of the exit polling, and I'm sure there's a few others, but two main things that came out. One is the, the people wanted a leader for the, for the next four years. They, they didn't talk about as much about the economy, although that was important too, but they wanted a leader. And between the two, that meant Trump. That, that was clear to me. Uh, maybe that's my wishful thinking, but it was clear. The other thing they said is that Obamacare went too far. Now, that was a really good sign. Uh, people really are pissed off when it comes to Obamacare. So the dismantling of Obamacare, he's got a, I think he's got a mandate on that issue. Okay. Now, I said before that I want to talk not only, you know, yes, I'm, I'm thrilled about the result. Now I want to study the reaction to the result. All right, you know, after the, um, after the election and it was clear, and even during it to some extent, I, I'm seeing these Facebook postings. Usually I, I looked at Facebook. I didn't really focus on Twitter as much. And I saw so many of my liberal friends. I think about half of them are liberal and half are conservative. And the, the liberal ones are saying, this can't be happening. This is terrible. I'm going to be, is, is this really happening? Do we still have a chance? Words like this. And, and then they, they, they started getting really angry. I can't believe this country is going to fall apart. Nothing like this. Nothing, nothing positive in any way. Um, and then when he actually won, the, the, the griping was even more uh, dramatic. And they said things like, I am ashamed to be in this country. Um, and then after... The election just yesterday, Wednesday, uh, they started rioting. They started protesting, sometimes violently, in the streets. And, and to which you and I say, well, we're not surprised about that. And, of course, begs the question, when, when do we see that among conservatives? Do, they're rioting in, in the streets. The answer is never. Conservatives don't riot. Conservatives don't even engage in violent protest. We, we sometimes take to the, to the streets to, you know, and we get our permit and everything else, and then we clean up after ourselves. Uh, but conservatives don't do this crap. I, I saw um, some graffiti on a, on a sidewalk saying F Trump, 
spelled out the full F word. Uh, for all the children. For say. all the children, right. That's right. Really classy, right? And we saw people beating up a, a, a guy who was a Trump supporter, and they beat him up explicitly because he was a Trump supporter. Uh, thank God he wasn't maimed like that Dodger uh, fan was back a few years ago now. Uh, and then they stole from his car. Actually, and they, that was a Giants fan. A Giants fan, sorry. Yeah. And, uh, and then they stole stuff from his car. And, and they felt perfectly uh, appropriate doing so. Why? Because, you know, Trump uh, is going to steal from them. So, you know, it's, it's, they're within the rights to, do, to take yeah, what the they Robin need to Hood. do. Yeah, the Robin Hoods. Yeah. Exactly right. And then uh, another uh, Latino woman was talking about people are going to have to die, right? Now, you can say, you can kind of, you know, chalk this off to... Um, Chuck this up, I guess. Chuck it up to just emotions that are running very high and people are so disappointed. And I understand that. But hell, man, we, we were really disappointed when Obama won. We were even more disappointed when he was reelected. Um, and, and you know what? Grow up. Live with disappointment. But, but you see, the liberals are, are never taught to live with disappointment. They, they are taught that they are entitled to these things. They're taught, so they're, they're told that they have a right to free education, a right to a, a free iPhone, for that matter, a right to uh, Social Security, a right to the free health care, right? a right to this, a right to this, and a right to a job, for that matter. And then somewhere in their minds, they, it, it turns in their head, and they suddenly feel that they have a right to their president, to choose their president. We, we can play choose this. Choose our president. You mean, right, right. Choose it yeah, that's for right. us, too. That's right. So we, you know, it's all good and well that we go through this process. Uh, you know, you, you put up your Republican nominee and we put up ours. But let's face it, the, the Democratic nominee is, is the one that should be president. And if, he's, if she's not or he's not, uh, you know, bad things are going to happen because that's the right thing to do. We're entitled, in this case, to Hillary Clinton to be our president. And uh, they, they, that's why they riot. It, it, you see, democracy doesn't jibe. With everything that they've been taught. Or anything that they've been taught, actually. Uh, well, that's why I say everything. They, 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 they don't know, they, they, they can't reconcile democracy with what they've already been taught. That's right. Okay? So which, which comes to our theme, which is who embraces democracy and who resents democracy? It's a rhetorical question, of course, given what we, we just talked about. But the, the embracing of democracy is, is on the conservative side, of course. Now, a lot of liberal, liberal friends will, will email me and say, oh, what are you talking about? Of course, we love America. We, you know, democracy is a very important part of our country. You think that, but you don't act it. That's my point. You get angry when you don't get your, your, your person, woman or man in. Angry. And yet you don't realize. You don't, you, it doesn't bother you for a second. You, it, it's as if somebody, somebody else decided that Trump should be the president. Like some, some arbitrary man made this this decision for us. No, it's we the people who made this decision. Uh, and it doesn't dawn upon you that maybe the, the people could be right about this. Maybe it doesn't dawn on you that the people are fed up with what Obama has done. That, that, that they don't get. But more importantly, they, they believe that they're entitled to this. And so it doesn't jibe. And, and that's why they resent democracy. They resent it. It's a, it's a, I won't even call it a necessary evil in their eyes. They just view it as a real hassle, a real obstruction 
to getting and achieving their goals. Well, what they like. No, but, they, th- but, th- but think, oh, I, I no, want to hear what you're, you're saying. You're absolutely right. And yeah. I'm, I'm amplifying with yeah. this statement, which is, but they like that they're part of a party that has the word Democrat or democracy right. inferred or implied in it. Right. And they love the veneer of democracy, the veneer of choice. Right. Because every to- totalitarian stays in power by giving his people a veneer right. of elections well, right. and but, integrity. But if when the results go south on them, oh, they don't. Right, right. That's right. I'll, I'll like you so long as you agree with everything I say. Right. Right. So that's, that's the way they view democracy. As long as it goes our way, then we love democracy. Yes, sir. And the people have spoken, and isn't that great? But they don't. They don't like democracy. And think about it. Their socialist ideology, and, and yes, my friends, if you're a Democrat today, then you like socialism. Okay, let's let's don't don't play it any other way with me. Um, if you have that ideology, it means that you you want to install these long-lasting programs. You you don't want Obamacare just to last for four or eight years. You want it to last forever, right? And you want the education system to be a certain way whether it's affirmative action or otherwise at play. You want the tax codes to be involved. You want these subsidies to be involved. You want climate change, for example. You don't want it just for the next four years. You want it forever. You want it forever. That's right. So how much, how, how frustrating it must be that every four years somebody gets to say, I don't like it, and I might reverse this very policy that you claim to want. That's very jarring for you, right? It's... It's it, terrifying. It's terrifying. Yes. For them, for, for the Democrat, for the socialist Democrat, it's like taking a train and, you, you know, you, you expect the train. As you're sitting in a train, right, you're going from, whatever, Chicago to New York. As you're sitting in the train, you expect it to go chug, 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 right? And you can look at the landscape and everything's nice. And you expect it, it's going, let's say, 60 miles an hour. And you get used to that speed. But what happens if suddenly it goes in reverse, like that? And then forward again, and, and then reverse again, back and forth, back and forth. And you don't know whether you're actually going to get to New York at all, the way things are going. It's very jarring and makes you nauseous. That's the way they view democracy. It's really annoying to them. Democracy is annoying. Okay? By contrast, by contrast, the conservative loves democracy. It, it, it's perfect for free market capitalism. It, it makes sure that people have to compete on the notion of what laws can best bring out innovation, best bring out our freedom, and best bring out ideas, generally speaking. It becomes a self-correcting machine that self-corrects to make sure it works with optimum efficiency and end result every election. It right. gets better with age, right. like fine wine in That's a right. good cellar. So the analogy for the conservative is like uh, dealing with a re- like like uh, dealing with Starbucks. Uh, not even Starbucks. Pick pick your favorite restaurant. Let's say let's. That's even better. And the restaurant likes you very much, and you like the restaurant. And for whatever you're on the email list, and they keep on saying to you, "How are we doing? How are we doing?" And you respond back. You can improve with this. You know, the food sometimes is too salty. Ah, very good, sir. Thank you very much. And your restaurant improves. And they get more and more people. And they have more innovative dishes and such. And the food that's, tastes better each time each you time. go. Right. And, and that's why we love democracy, because it's a constant feedback loop that's so healthy for a burgeoning economy. 
It prevents corruption, which we believe is, is endemic to human nature. And to all of history, we've seen this. It's, it, it's, uh, it's endemic with God. You know, in the Torah, it says the will of the people is godly. And it's, you know, putting aside mob rule and such like that, you, we don't have mob rule. The Democrats want mob rule, but that's another story. Here we have an embrace of democracy and conservatism. And it's it, just like the Constitution is annoying to the, democ- to, the, um, to, to the liberals, so is democracy itself. They hate it. Everything about it is wrong to them. That's why Thomas Friedman can say, it would be great to be China for a day. Right? He wrote a whole article about it. It's so obscenely stupid and naive and shallow for somebody who, who believes of himself that he's so intelligent. And so many other people believe him to be intelligent. But the, the, the incredible naivete behind saying such a thing. Put that aside. Just put it aside. That the fact that he thinks how great it would be and how he marvels or he, he opines wistfully about the notion of being China for a day and how great that would be reflects everything you need to know about liberalism. He's a diehard liberal. But don't you, don't you agree? Yeah. Everything that because, he believes. Because what conservative who loves freedom would ever say, I want to be China for a day? Because we say things like, we want to be Hong Kong before the Chinese takeover for a day. Right. That's we good. want to be like King Solomon's ancient Israel for right. a day. Right. That's exactly right. We want, to be, we want to have the wisdom of the Buddha or the Christ or Moses for a day. Right. That's, that, that's oh, beautifully said. If we could just... How about this? How about if we all follow Ten Commandments for a day? Oh, <laughs> wouldn't oh, that be great? <laughs> oh, yes. Because what kind of idiot would model a totalitarian country for whether it's a day or a thousand years to model any government system on? Oh, so true. Uh, uh, why not for that matter? So why, true. why shouldn't he say, "Why don't we be North Korea or the Soviet Union for a day? Yeah. Why don't we be Nazi Germany for a day? How would that work out?" I was just going to say exactly right. How how could you possibly you know present this as an idea? But in that little comment. Is it reflects everything we need to know, right? First of all, the fact that they they thought that 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 nobody would would push back on that phrase. I mean, we do, but it's an absurdity. If 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 we as a conservative, if Trump said, you know what, we could really learn a lot by being like Nazi Germany just for one day, right? We would get the, the flack, like everyone would say, oh my, he he loves the Nazi Germany. Rightly so. Rightly so, and 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 they'd be right to be upset. But Thomas Friedman can say this, and, and it wouldn't be a problem at all. And then, uh, and, and by the way, it's not just Thomas Friedman. Others have said it too. Harry Belafonte, Woody Allen, they, they said uh, they should just give Obama dictatorial powers. Not even just for a day. Just because, you know, they loved what he had to offer. So it means that they can't stand democracy. That's what it means. Right. Or because if you want China yes. for a day, then it, because it begs the question, what do you hope to accomplish in that one day? Because... Possibly, just possibly, other people have a different idea what they would like to accomplish that day. Yeah, and I assume when they say we want China for the day, they mean with them as the premier rather than as one of the worker bees. Right. Or one of the enemies of the state. Right. Uh, Right? And the other thing that totally confirms what you just said is how they visit places like Cuba and Michael Moore says, well, their health care is beautiful there. Good or, point. Oh, Venezuela. Or Bel- yeah, Venezuela yeah. saying, oh, the economy here is wonderful. Look how they take care of their people. Right. You know, the literacy going, rate is so they're high. They're going to hell holes on earth right. and suggesting that hellhole governments are replicated rather than the freest nations on earth. Yeah. So bizarre, right? So 
anyway, I, I'm, I'm not understanding how uh, people don't even question how their own attitude is as, as now shaped toward democracy. It's, it's worth asking the liberal, the classic liberal, do you like democracy? What does it mean to you, right? Do you feel that it's an annoyance? Do you feel it's a problem? I, I'd really like to ask that question. How about if you ask it I this mean, wait, wait, way? The, 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 wait, wait, hold on. Okay. Like, like all those man-on-the-street questions that they ask, you know, who's the vice president, right? Uh, my favorite question is, is when, was, when did America become a free country? When did, when did it declare independence? 1776, of course. Uh, it's, it's an easy question, and they don't know. They don't know. And all these questions that we ask, you know, is what, what system is America? Uh, what system is China? What, what country has a better system than America? All those questions that you and I have asked in the past on, on UCLA Bruin Walk, for example. We had a lot of fun with that. But one question we didn't ask, and I think, I think it's worth asking, is do you like democracy? Do you think that it's the best form of government compared to any other form of government? And I think... If they actually understood the question, if they understood what democracy actually is, they they would say, honestly, I, I prefer you know maybe more of a socialist structure. I, I I think that this is you know getting in the way. Yeah, or a totalitarian structure. Because I think the way you have to ask it to make it perfectly clear is mm-hmm. based on the fact that uh, a a government system where there are elections and from time to time the elections do not go your way. Do you support a democracy-based right. yeah. system? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Do you understand that the give and take is you will sometimes lose, and you will really, really be upset about this? I mean, God knows we were so upset when Obama became president. Um, I was originally upset when Bush became president in 2000, but now, now I'm very happy that he did, of course. But it just you're, you're going to be upset. It just that's the messy nature of democracy. And we ultimately still all the same, and, and presumably way before we were born, there are people who voted for their Republican and their Democrat and uh, their, their uh, Federalist uh, you know, party before them and so on, only to be very disappointed in the result. Right. There and were, yet— There were Republicans who did not vote for Grover Cleveland who were very disappointed in the 1890s. Right. Very disappointed. Right. <laughs> and yet, and yet, we still have the greatest nation on earth. Right? Yet we, we grew to who we were. And it, it, it doesn't dawn on them that perhaps this messiness, these great disappointments that we have in the election cycle, um, still lead us to the greatest achievements and innovations and freedoms that, that the world has ever known. And they don't even see anything in context. But then again, liberalism never sees anything in context. It doesn't care to see its own consequences. It doesn't care to see history. All they care about is the here and now and how they feel right here and now. Yeah. Can, can I make a point about this? Because I think the, the answer to the question is self-answered. We always talk about what people say versus what they do. Yeah. And one of the hallmarks of our system is that it has peaceful transfers of power. Yeah. That's an important term. Because by having peaceful transfers of power, we avoid the bloodshed that totalitarian governments have when they change power and, and power changes hands. Right. And the fact that these protesters are getting violent indicates their disdain for democracy. For sure. And two important points about the reaction of conservatives is our liberal friends love to react and say, well, you conservatives get upset too. We, you protest too. Well, not really. We may get upset. And let's focus specifically on Obama's election in 2008, before he was a known entity. When we started protesting Obama, 
in the in the Tea Party cycle, starting in February 2009, we were not protesting against the man. We were protesting against his actions and trying to send him a message, don't go too far. Right. You, as a person, Obama, are fine. Yeah, yeah. We have no problem with you being in office. It ain't personal. It's stimulus, porculus, <laughs> and, and this coming healthcare thing that's bothering us. Yeah, yeah and of course. They, mm-hmm. uh, contradictory to that, immediately start protesting the man. Yeah. He's not even in office for another 70 days, and they're already rioting and being violent in their opposition, and there's nothing to oppose. The other point that I think is just so rich in all this is Obama's been in office for eight years. He is their, as they say, transformational figure. Well, how flimsy and angering and frustrating of a transformation must it be if you think that your transformational figure sent by God himself has <laughs> run such a flimsy revolution that it can be undone by a buffoon reality TV star winning well, one election. Well, there you go. Way. That's why they're so upset. That's right. why they're upset because this this democ- democratic election that now has brought in this man named Trump who really doesn't like Obamacare and many other uh, ideologies and, and, and policies that Obama has advanced – He's threatening to undo all this stuff, and I think they're right. I think that when they say, uh, you know, we've got to continue on this this mission, and otherwise we'll roll back all the progress we've had in the eight years, whatever that means. But that's that's exactly our point, isn't it? That that they can't stand the idea because they have these big, big ideas, things that will will be imposed on you, and you're gonna have to like it. Take take your medicine, and you'll like it. And literally, when it comes to Obamacare, right, the health care. And they have big ideas about super trains and solar and the, power. Yeah, solar and, power and yeah. the way and how much carbon you can spend and all that stuff. It's just and and you can't have the Keystone Pipeline and and oil should be not drilled here and there. And we should have this tax here. It, this is the way they think. And so, of course, democracy is completely antithetical to to their very notion. They just they don't even embrace it. Here's another difference in the reaction. I know that. When Obama won the first time in 08 and then the, the, in 2012, I wrote the same thing on Facebook. I said Congrat- to my liberal friends, congratulations on your victory. Uh, may, may he do a great job. He's, he's our president. I wish him the best. I have great hopes for him to do the right thing for our country. Period. That's what I said. And I got a lot of nice responses saying, you're a class act, Barack. You know, we know that this, uh, you know, you didn't like it, but class act, class act, class act. Same, something very similar. Uh, I really wanted Romney to win, but by golly, he, you know, Obama put up a great fight. Uh, let's, let's hope he takes on Iran the, the way that, that should be done and, and that he helps improve the economy. You know, I, I just the rah-rah, whatever I could say, because I wanted to be classy. Again. Facebook, nice responses saying great, great uh, kudos to you, Brooke, for, for swallowing this pill. I know it must be tough for you, and it was. But when they lose, <laughs> there's nothing like that. Not, not, not for a moment. I didn't see anyone saying congratulations to my Republican friends. Uh, what, a, what a hard one a fight it was. I guess our candidate was just not uh, ready. Um, she was not as strong uh, in a, a, too many scandals. We should have done a little bit better. Nevertheless, it was time for a change. And I wish Trump, President-elect Trump, the best and that he garner the support and that God works with him and that he does what's best for the country. That's what I was looking for. But it ain't coming. I, I, 
I have not seen it from a single one of my approximately 300 liberal friends on Facebook. And I have about 300 liberal uh, uh, conservative friends on Facebook. Not one from my liberal friends of anything like that. And anything. It, and it shows you something very interesting. A complete lack of diversity of thought among liberals. Yeah. We conservatives, we think all different things. We had drag out, knock down fights over Cruz and Rubio and Trump right. and all different things. This one's conservative. This one's not. How are we going to deal with this one? That one's right. unacceptable. Them. It's uniform. It's right. like it's like the, a template. Cut them all. Yeah, that's, and a that's, very interesting. Well, but, but, but that makes yeah. that's consistent because yes. they want to impose everything on you, and so of course they consistently think the same thing. Go ahead. Yeah. And I think this point will come full circle to your theme and how we began. Mm-hmm. The very theme: make America great. When the election results happened, I turned to my wife after we drank the most wonderful glass of champagne in my life. Yeah, it was great. And I said, Trump didn't win. He didn't win. American, the American people won. Liberty and the American people won. And it connects part and parcel with Trump's theme, make America great again. He's not saying he's going to make America great. Right. He's saying to us, you will have the freedom to make America great in your own image and in your own lives yourselves. Right. The complete antithesis of the modern Democrat Party thought. They come at it. We're going to put wise men in government who will impose from on high the solutions that you must agree with and it will work or else you will be crushed to dust That's by the so wheel true. of history. That's Trump so comes to office and he's not the conservative I wanted, okay? But he was conservative enough to have this slogan that is absolutely true and the people responded knowing it. He believes it too. That, yes. You know, I, I read a couple of his books, but one of the books that I read, that, and I really liked it, was We Want You to Be Rich. Okay? He wanted, he, along with um, Akiyasaki, I think is his name, um, a, a co author, he, he wrote the book uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. So they co authored this book, and I'm sure that Ghost, Ghost wrote it, but nevertheless, it was still with his final say so. Uh, the, the book it, it said, it every, said everything. We want you to be rich. Okay? He didn't say how, how great I am and you should you know, bow to me or anything else like that. He wants you to be rich. He wants you, Ari David, to be rich. Why? Because that's how you get America to be great again. He, he didn't say, hey, let's, I'll, I'll share the pie, my pie with you, but nobody else. And he right? didn't say, I want you to be rich, but no one else. Right. Because he understands what we know as conservatives. We want everyone to be wealthy, That's right. happy, healthy, and wise. Right. Because we know the more rich people there are out there, the less dislocation, poverty, and need there is out there, the happier and more wonderful all of life is for yeah, everyone. So true. so true. You know, it's, it's funny. When we, again, going back to when Obama won the two times, um, both times, but, but, but especially the first time because we didn't really know him very well at that point. You know, I said, look, okay, now he's, he's been elected. I, I hope for the best. And I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that somehow he sees wisdom and maybe he'll be like, I don't know, Bill Clinton. As bad as Bill Clinton was, he, it, it turns out he was a lot better than Obama was. Okay, So uh, maybe he'll, he'll be good with Israel. Maybe, I, we had a lot of hope. We didn't, we didn't start yelling and screaming and how could America do this to itself and the, all this nonsense. But when, when the liberals see the result here, they have a tantrum. And for all the reasons we already explained, because they hate democracy or they, they resent it. I, hate, hate is a strong word. 
they resent democracy because it gets in the friggin' way of their grand ideologies, their big plans. You can't do it. It's like that train that's very jarring for them. I want to go from point A to point B. And Damn I it. I want to go there now. And I want to go now. And don't interfere. And, and, you know, just like a track kind of locks you in to where you're going to go, right? We, we, the conservatives are more like, hey, we, we get to go wherever we want. We want this car. The car is, the car is a good example of, of conservatism, and the train is a good example of liberalism. How do you like that? Yeah. Okay? Because you're locked in. And they, they, you have to have a lot of infrastructure and all these train tracks and everything else. But when, when it comes to the liberals, when they, when they saw the result, they have a tantrum. And it doesn't even dawn on them. It doesn't even, I don't think they, they think for a moment, gosh, I really hope it works out. I really hope that Trump will, I don't know, maybe pull it out and, and, and have a, bring out a great economy, bring out the best in us. And, uh, you know, I'd like to vote for him again. But wouldn't you want that? And I told this to my liberal friends. I said, look, I wish him well, Obama, in 2008. I, I, in fact, I want to wish him so well that I, I want to be able to want to vote for his reelection. Give me that man and I'll vote for him. We want every president to be that yes, good. We don't care about the party. <laughs> yeah. But, but if, he, if he destroys the economy, if he's amping up things like, uh, you know, trying to... The way he dealt with the Middle East and the way he dealt with Obamacare and just about everything he touched. Well, then, no thank you. I, I think you're ruinous to the economy and ruinous to what, everything that I believe in America. So I'm not going to vote for your reelection. But in my heart, I wanted to vote for... Why wouldn't you want that? Right? But, but not so with so many of my liberal friends. Not all of them, I'm sure. Uh, you know, of course, in fact, if they weren't all of them, then, uh, then we would have no hope at all. Because, I'm sorry, if they were all of them, then we wouldn't have any hope at all. Some of them do have the attitude that we're talking about. Some of them do decide that they want the, the, the Trump or, or Bush to do the best that they can and that they hope for their re-election. And guess what? They become conservatives. So many of our conservative friends used to be liberals precisely because they adopted a very different attitude. That's, that's you, Ari, and that's me. Okay? Two former liberals talking on a very conservative podcast because we wanted what's best for the country. And I know that many liberals are, are listening to this right now, and I know many of you, I hope, think the same way. And we hope to see you on the other side one day. I'm Brock Lurie. Talk with you next week. <laughs>